Hallelujah. Shall we have a word of prayer? Father, we thank you for what you are doing in this service, what you've already begun. Thank you that you are continuing impacting in our, into our lives and our heart, changing perspectives and understanding. And tonight, as your word comes, our hearts are open to receive the engrafted word of God, which is able to save our souls. Let the Holy Ghost brood and hover all over this place. We know that when we receive your word, we will be truly finished unto every good work. Become relevant in your hands. Battle axes in your hands. As we become useful to fulfill your dream and your heart desire. Thank you for this blessed morning. Thank you that we are blessed. To you be all the glory. Praise and honor forever. Jesus name the son of God hallelujah second Timothy chapter 4 verse 11 I'm speaking on relevance in ministry relevance in ministry Being a relevant minister, relevance in ministry, taking your place in ministry. All right. So, Second Timothy four eleven said, now Paul is speaking, and he said, "Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry." Apostle Paul, this was his last letter he wrote. And he wrote to Timothy. And he told Timothy to do certain things. But one of the things he told Timothy to do was to take Mark and bring with him. This is the same Mark that failed in ministry years past. With his uncle Barnabas, who traveled together with Paul. But this time around, Apostle Paul says, take Mark and bring him with you for he is profitable to me for the ministry he is profitable to me for the ministry he is profitable profitable to me for the ministry relevance has to do with profitability when we speak of relevance or being relevant it means that God sees you profitable in his service being profitable in the hands of God for his service becoming a profitable servant not an unprofitable one profitable you are useful you are usable in the hands of god that's relevance Profit, divine profitability being profitable in the hands of god to be useful in, in his service relevance many years ago in the year 1997, I remember I, I was going for evangelism in Cape Coast somewhere. I lived in Cape Coast. I was doing evangelism and I met a man with a bicycle. As I began preaching him, I realized he was already a believer. And he made a very wonderful statement. I've not forgotten till now. I've never forgotten. As I introduced the word, he looked at me and made a statement. He said, 
there are many who are available, but not everyone is usable. Now he said that in, in, in 97, as I was evangelizing, he said there are many who are available, but not everyone is usable. And it sank into my heart. Many are available, but not everyone is usable. Many are available. Lord, use me, use me, use me. But not everyone is usable. But I pray that today you'll be usable in the hands of God. Amen. Profitable servant in his hands. You are equipped. You are truly finished for whatever God likes to do with you. That's relevance. So, in this message, I'm touching on three things concerning relevance. How you can work in relevance. How you can be profitable in God's hands. Three things. The first thing I'd like to talk about in speaking about relevance is that to be relevant, you have Jesus Christ or Christ must be the focus of church work or your focus in ministry. Christ must be the focus of church work. He must be the center, the focus of church work. So Christ must be your focus. Jesus being the focus of your ministry or Jesus being the center. He is the focus of church work. Jesus. That's the first point. Now why do I do, say this? In speaking about relevance. Turn with me to the book of Revelation. Chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. I read from verse 4 to verse 5. Now, this is a letter written to the church in Ephesus. Now, Revelation 2 verse 4 says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent Jesus says if you don't repent I'll come and I will remove the candlestick out of its place except thou repent now what does that mean Jesus can come and remove the candlestick from its place now he is referring to the church of Ephesus now when the candlestick is removed it means your influence is removed Actually, it means you are no more relevant, although you are still existing. Because a candlestick, it was placed in the holy place, in the temple or in a tabernacle. And in the holy place, there were no windows. The place was very dark. It was a dark place. So the only source of illumination was the menorah, the candlestick, or the lampstand. It gave light. So for Jesus to take the candlestick from its place means no more influence. No more relevance. I'm telling you today, there are many ministries that have lost their candlestick. But they are still full of activity. They are full of activities, doing a lot of things. But the candlestick is gone. The light is gone. In the sight of God, you have been sidelined. You are just following the boring routine of ministry and activity. 
but the, the productivity is not there. Activity doesn't just mean productivity. So when the candlestick is gone, there's no more relevance. The relevance is gone. And Jesus said, if you don't repent, I'm going to take away the candlestick. What did he say? First he said, they had left their first love. I'll come to that. The Greek grammatical construction is quite different. In the Greek grammatical construction, it says, your love, the first one you have left. Or your love, the only one you have left. That's the Greek. Your love, the only one you have left. Actually, in Acts 18, when the church of Ephesus began, there was such revival all over. They were, they were vibrant and they were all in love with Jesus. Jesus was the central focus of everything. But somehow, in, in the midst of the years, 30 years after, when the book of Revelation was written, there was a shift. There had been a drift. They were still in ministry, doing a lot of things. But Jesus said, if you don't take time, the candlestick will be taken away. Praise God. Now, there are two kinds of church leaders, two kinds of leadership. I call it the Saul type and the David type of leadership. The Saul type of leadership and the David type of leadership. You know, Saul was a leader. In the kingdom of Israel, God's people, he was a leader. David became a leader. But under source leadership, we see it's a kind of leadership that has no heart for the Lord. The focus of source leadership was not on the Lord. There's a kind of leadership where the Lord is not the focus, but the Lord is just a means to an end. You understand? The Lord is a means to an end. Instead of the Lord using you, there are people who are using the Lord instead of the Lord using them. So, the Lord is a means to an end to fulfill their dream or to accomplish their ambition or to satisfy their ego or to get some money or to get some fame. So, the Lord becomes a vehicle, an inst- a tool, a means. So, the Lord is a means to an end, not the end of itself. That's a soul kind of leadership. Why do I say that? The Ark of the Covenant, where was the Ark of the Covenant? When Saul was ruling Israel for 40 years. While Saul was in the city, in the palace, enjoying himself, the Ark of the Covenant was in Kiljath Jerim. Kiljath Jerim or Yarim is the city of the forest. The Ark was in the forest. But Saul was in the city. You've put your God in the forest. <laughs> God doesn't want to be in the bush. <laughs> when he appeared Moses blessed Joseph with the, the goodwill of him that dwelleth in the bush he appeared to Moses in the bush he said oh I want to dwell among you in the city <laughs> now for 40 years the ark which is a type of Jesus Christ symbol of the God's presence was in the forest so the people were under a curse because there were no yearly atonement and if there, there were no yearly atonement there was no family blessing there was no blessing on their crops everything was difficult never sought for the lord that's what the bible says all the men followed Saul, trembling full of manipulation and intimidation the sort kind of leadership but look at david his heart sought after the lord now while david was a young man you know what he said i will not give sleep to my eyes nor slumber to my eyelid until i find a place for the lord and habitation for the mighty God of Jacob. 
Lo, we heard of it in Ephrata. We found it in the fields of the wood. Psalm 132 from verse 4 to 7. Now, while David was in Ephrata in Bethlehem as a young man, he promised himself that one day, if he becomes a king, he'll go after the ark. He said, no, we heard of it in Ephrata. We heard of it. But he promised himself that when he become a king, he'll not give sleep to his eyes until he brings the ark of the covenant from the bush to the its rightful place of habitation. So when David became a king, he went for the ark. That's one of the reasons why the Bible calls David a man after God's own heart. The kind of leadership that pursues Jesus and Jesus is the focus. It's not that we are using him to get our own thing. I really don't like, don't like the word ambition. I, I love the word vision. Because actually in, in the Greek, the word for ambition is the same word for selfishness. Yeah. So I love, if you have any ambition, I love God giving you receiving God's vision. And walking and fulfilling the vision he has for your life. Ask your neighbor, which kind of leader are you? The sword type or the David type? Well, you, you use the Lord as a stepping stone for what you want. That's not it. But there's something in the book of Exodus chapter 27 that I want us to see. That's amazing. Verse 21. In the tabernacle of the congregation without the veil, which is before the testimony, Aaron and his sons shall order it from evening to morning before the Lord. It shall be a statute forever unto their generations on the behalf of the children of Israel. In the tabernacle of the congregation without the veil, which is before the testimony, Aaron and his sons shall order it shall order it now in the hebrew the word order is the word to tend they shall arrange it in order now god gave a responsibility to aaron and his sons the priesthood and the responsibility was every day every evening he said every evening they shall arrange the lamps of the candlestick in a certain order every evening this is the candlestick or the menorah. Please, can you see it? Now, the verse we read in Exodus 27 41, God gave the high priest and the priesthood a mandate. It, it was daily. It was daily. Every evening, you have to go and inspect this menorah. What do they inspect? Now, look at the direction of the light. Normally we see the light, but normally in pictures they are not in, in the right sh uh, position. Look at this one. The central shaft, the middle one, the light points upward. But the lights on the right hand, they are all facing the middle one. And the light on the left, they are all facing the middle one. This is the original design. Now, God had to preserve this pattern so much that he said every evening, Aaron had to go and inspect so that the direction of these lampstands do not change. 
Why? Because as they were in the wilderness, there could be earth tremble, earthquakes or reverberations that could shift the position of the lamp so that instead of the lamp facing this way, it will face this way. Can I get seven people? Maybe so that I can illustrate. Just let, line up here. So, I like your thousand five. You'll be in the middle. <laughs> so, you'll be in the middle. All right. The three of you kindly face him, and the three of you please face him. All right. So, the middle light goes up, but all the rest of the light must point towards this one. And this one also, both the left and the right, must point towards the central shaft. That's how God intended this, it to be. You know why? In Revelation 1, verse 13, when John saw Jesus, Jesus was standing here in the middle. When John saw Jesus in Revelation, that's where Jesus was standing. He was in the midst of the seven lambs. Actually, he was in, the word is mesos. He was in the middle. That means the central shaft represents Jesus himself. And all the light had to point toward him. And God so protected the type because it was all about Jesus. That he says every evening, go and just check whether it is, in, it is in right order. Because God doesn't want it to be like this. One light pointing here. Another light pointing there. This one pointing halfway. He doesn't want this light pointing here. This light pointing here. This light pointing here. He doesn't like that. So he said, you go and check every evening. And make sure that it's always pointing here. And you are always pointing here. Why? You see how God is, is jealous for his son. You know what it means? All our focus, all our gifts must be on Jesus. Must be focused on Jesus. Your marriage is for Jesus. Your gift is for Jesus. Your money is for Jesus. Your ministry gift is for Jesus. Your talent is for Jesus. Your anointing is for Jesus. Your ability is for Jesus. Everything you have is for Jesus. Your teaching gift is for Jesus. Your prophetic gift is for Jesus. Your ushering gift is for Jesus. Everything he gave you, the focus must be Jesus. He must be the central focus. He must be the one we look to. Hallelujah. That's why God did this. The reason why we serve God is not for our ambitions. The reason why we serve God is not to satisfy our ego. The reason why we serve God is not for some personal fame or it's not from some filthy lacquer, money, or for something. Sometimes God called us genuinely, but somehow in the midst of the years, like the Ephesian church, Jesus was, was no more in the center. Something had happened to the Ephesian church so much that now the light had shifted. So Jesus was no more the focus. And it can happen to anyone. Even ministry activity can shift you from the focus. Even ministry itself can shift you from the focus. So why did God tell Aaron, all that your days of the priesthood, every evening, make sure they are pointing towards the central shaft. Can you do that in your life? Before you sleep, examine yourself, whether you be in the faith. Examine yourself. What is my heart shifting towards? It must be for him. Hallelujah. Man of God, thank you. Can you please take your seat? Thank you. Hallelujah. Now back to Revelation chapter 2. And let me open up 
what I'm actually saying. When the Lord wrote to the church in Ephesus, let's start from verse 1. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things said he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, and that walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Verse 2. I know thy works. I know your works. Now the Greek says, I know the works of you. You know, I know the works that is peculiar to you. There's something you do no other person is doing. I know the works of you. And thy labor. The Greek says, I know the labor of you. Jesus says, I know the labor of you. Now the word labor here is not ordinary laboring. It's the word for toilsome, wearisome, exhaustive labor. The church was really laboring. You know why they were laboring? Because, you know, Ephesus was a gateway to Asia. And the church of Ephesus, it was actually the biggest church in the world at that time, according to ancient fathers and history. So much that Ephesus was the first church in Asia. And out of Ephesus, Ephesus was a missionary base for the rest of the churches in Asia, for Smyrna and for Pergamos and for Thyatira and for Laodicea. It was a missionary base. Because out of Ephesus, missionaries went and established all those churches. So actually, they were laboring. It was a missionary base. They were laboring. You had to see that all these churches were doing well. All these churches. And Ephesus itself is a very powerful place. In ancient world, if, even if governors, if a governor in Smyrna was going to Smyrna, he doesn't go to Smyrna, he goes through Ephesus. Because all roads emerge from Ephesus to all parts of Asia. So they first disembark in Ephesus before they can go to any other place in Asia. So Ephesus was a focus. Jesus says, I know your labor. They were laboring. You can just imagine. And what did he also say? And your patience. Jesus says, I know your patience. The word actually means your endurance. Because the church was actually going through persecution. Timothy, who was a pastor, had been killed. And they were suffering from martyrdom and from Domitian. And Domitian was the emperor at that time and he was wicked. He proclaimed himself God. And people were worshipping him. And they had endured massive trials. Jesus says, I know it. I know your endurance. And how that canst not bear with them that are evil. And has tried them who say they are apostles and are not. And has found them liars. And when it comes to doctrine, they were standard. Many church fathers tell, tell us that when it comes to doctrine, Ephesus was on top. They had a standard of orthodoxy. And they had so much word that they could discern who is a false apostle and who is not a false apostle. Jesus commended them for that. And has born. King James says, and has born. He's saying, even right now, you are bearing, bearing responsibility. Can you imagine? Jesus says, even right now, you are bearing responsibility. And has patience. Can you imagine patience is, is repeated twice? So you can just imagine your patience. And for my name's sake has labored. Now, labor is mentioned a second time. So you can just imagine the enormous church work they were doing. And has labored. And for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. That means that even the laboring, their motive for the labor was Jesus. 
they didn't have ulterior motive in their works and their laboring it's because of jesus they were doing the work of the ministry yet jesus had something against them their first love now look at all these comment god has commended them the lord had commended them for and applauded them for all of these benefits how can you have a no more such labor and such work and such patience and he says you are bearing responsibility and you are enduring and you are discerning you can distinguish false apostles from those who are true and he said notwithstanding something is gone how can you do all these things and still stand at the risk of losing the candlestick so that means that you can be full of activity you can be full of labor you can be full of up, moving up and down with the right motive you can be doing ministry with the right motive for the Lord's name's sake and be laboring and still lose the candlestick lose your relevance what he's saying is very interesting it's very important right motive is not even enough because they did it for his name's sake and they were bearing responsibility they were doing well yet they were there's a risk of jesus taking a lampstand from this place that means that what we call ministry may not be ministry no, 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 because if someone is bearing all these characteristics we'll applaud for the person is that also we say wow these people are really working in the church but jesus said they stood at the risk of losing the lampstand why what happened was that as they were laboring for the lord in the midst of the years they were caught up in the machinery of ministry they were caught up in the boring routine of ministry they were full of activity in business activity in ministry so much that they lost the wonder of it all the lord himself they lost the wonder of it all the lord himself now, some of you may have this experience. Do you realize that sometimes you can be full of activity, do a lot of things. But somewhere, somehow, if you check within your heart, something has shifted. When you start talking with the Lord, it's not like before. It's almost like you need one month of retreat to sit down, to be refreshed, to be revived, to get back to the place where you used to be. You can be so full of activity that although you are praying, it's not the same. You are praying all right, but it's, you sit on the Bible and whatever you read is for the congregation. Whatever you read is for the next Sunday sermon. It's not for you again. Something is gone. He says, your love, the first one, the only one you have left. Then he says, remember the height. Can you imagine that in the Greek, the word remember is the word for tomb. The word remember is the word for a graveyard or sepulchre. Remember the height from whence you have fallen. That means that their intimacy with Jesus had been buried in the grave the kind of interest they had with the lord when the church began and they were enjoying jesus the wonder of it all the daffodil of early love it had been buried in the tomb it was in a grave site jesus says go and dig it back remember so if we are going to be relevant the one who called us into ministry we shouldn't get away from him we should be in step with him enjoying him step by step enjoy him step by step 
money is a commodity for business if money runs out of business the business dies in the same way time is a commodity for every relationship for every relationship to survive there must be the investment of time if money writes if time runs out of relationship the fellowship becomes affected that's with the lord so brethren this is the place loving the lord working with him intimacy with the lord spending time with him this is the way out and this is what jesus said i have something against you he spoke from a very deep passion something deeply from his heart he didn't like that so all the laboring and all the activity he's mentioned labor twice impressing on them the law of double emphasis patience twice and all those things did not satisfy him the early love you, you have left the word leave means you have left means to voluntarily release something that is, was once dear to you you have released it praise God now how do we bear fruit apostle Paul says wherefore brethren ye were also dead to the law that ye should be married to another even unto the one who is risen from the dead that we should bring forth fruit unto God in Romans 7 verse 4 he says we are married to Jesus we are married to, the, to him who is risen from the dead for a reason that we may bring forth fruit unto God Romans 7 verse 4 now our union with Christ is like a marital union when people marry they bring forth babies is that not so how do babies come intimacy how can you bring fruit unto the Lord he says we are married with him and the marriage with him the end result is bringing fruit unto God when in Genesis 18 God appeared to Abraham and his wife and promised them that according to the time of life they were going to embrace a son Sarah said I being old shall I have pleasure and my Lord being old also shall I have pleasure how do you get children it's through intimacy sexual intimacy and having pleasure hallelujah we are married to Jesus it's a figure of speech we are married to Jesus it's just through intimacy and having pleasure with him that we bring forth fruit unto God it says we are married to him the end of the, the reason for the marriage is to bring forth fruit babies children spiritual fruit unto God so brethren to, be, to stay relevant be in touch with the Lord and let him be the focus of your life of your ministry of your church work keep enjoying him and don't go ahead of him hallelujah praise God so that's the first point so first point keep Jesus as your focus keep him as your focus keep him as your focus now secondly to be relevant in ministry stay in the place of your anointing stay in the place of your anointing stay in the place of your anointing now what does it mean to stay in the place of your anointing I want to talk about three point three points in this under this point in staying in the place of your anointing firstly you have to understand God's blueprints for your life God's blueprints now understand that 
The Father has a blueprint for our lives. What we are doing in ministry today didn't begin today. Everything you are supposed to do was already foreordained and prearranged. The Father already prearranged the causes of your life or our lives before we came. So it's not something we are guessing to do. For ye are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God before ordained that ye should walk in them. Ephesians 2 verse 10. So these works were before ordained that you should walk in them. God has the original blueprint for your ministry and whatever you have to do. He has it. Acts 15 verse 18 says, Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Isaiah 46 verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things which are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Hebrews 10 verse 7, then said I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. In the volume of the book. So God has the blueprint for our lives already. It is already prearranged. It's already prearranged. Everything about us and the ministry of what we do is already prearranged. How, how do you know it? You have to find out. Find out. In Hebrews 8 verse 5, the Bible says, Who serve unto the example and the shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to build a tabernacle. For cease, said he, that thou make all things according to the pattern shown thee in the mount. So you see, before he reproduced the tabernacle on earth, there was a pattern he had to see in heaven. Anything you are supposed to do on earth is actually in heaven. In heaven. Now, you need to know what the will of God is. And it dimensions. It specs. Otherwise, your work will be in vain. There are many people who are doing ministry, but they are not in your place. Some will realize it too late. Because in Matthew 7 verse 23, Then shall I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that worketh iniquity. I never knew you. Now, there are some people, Jesus, who say, I never knew you. But what does that actually mean? The word knew, now in, in the Greek, is the same word that is used in Romans 7 verse 15. That which I do, I allow not. If I, it's, it's the same word in the Greek for the word allow. So I never knew you. It's actually, I never allowed you. Now, they go to Jesus and they were telling, they, they were telling Jesus the things they did. Lord, we did this. Lord, I did this for you. I did this for you. And Jesus was smiling and said, I never allowed you. Those things were your own works. They were the fruit of your own ambitions. I never allowed you. So brethren, the thing is that the will of God, the efficacy of divine guidance and the will of God is something you cannot divorce yourself from if you want to be used in the hands of God or if you want to be relevant because it's God who defines what relevance is it is not he that commended himself that is approved but whom the Lord commendeth 2 Corinthians 10 verse 18 and you can't do what you're not called to do we will not boast of things without our measure but according to the measure of the rule which God has distributed for us 2 Corinthians 10 verse 13 see there's a measure and there's a distribution Paul says no the things we are doing we are not just doing whatever we want, we want to do we, we are moving by the will of God praise God alright when I say the will when I say the will of God what does it mean there are three dimensions of God's will 
Romans 12 verse 2 be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may be able to prove what is that good acceptable and the perfect will of God so the will of God is in three dimensions the good will of God the acceptable will of God and the perfect will of God now what is the good will of God now the good will of God is a general will of God it's general for instance when you read the Bible you know, you know the, the mind of God you know the will of God for instance the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4 3 this is the will of God that you should abstain from this is the will of God even your sanctification that you should abstain from fornication is the will of God 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18 in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you so we, there's, a, there's a general will of God like thanksgiving you know working in holiness and all of these things is the general will of God that's the good will of God then there is the acceptable will of God the acceptable will of God is the permissible will of God what is God's permissible will? Something he permits you, but it's not his perfect will. He's doing you because that is what you want. Not what he wants. God's perfect will is what he has for you. His will, his mind, his pleasure, his desire for you. That's his perfect will. There are so many people in ministry today who are actually in the permissible will of God. They are not in God's perfect will. So many people because they are driven by so many things and even good passion is not is still not enough look to be in your place you have to be in touch with the lord can a hagin of blessed memory he said something that shocked me when i got to know for the first time at one time he pastored a church for 10 years he said after 10 years the Lord Jesus spoke to him that it was never my will for you to be a pastor now this is Kenny Hagin not any 10 years after 10 years Jesus said it wasn't my will for you to be a pastor then he said ah so it's true because now Kenny Hagin said whenever he was in his private room preparing the message he was on fire he was so full of joy and excitement but whenever he mounted the podium he always felt something was wrong but he couldn't lay his hands on it he felt there was a difference between being in the room and enjoying the lord and being at the pulpit something was lost something was gone he was a kind of struggling and that happened for 10 years after 10 years jesus said actually what you were doing it wasn't my will may god deliver you from that Amen. going whole whole decade and it wasn't god's will can you imagine then when Jesus told him, he said, Hagin said, he took his things and started as an evangelist. He bought a whole truck and they began a field ministry. Evangelizing everywhere, winning souls everywhere. After two years, Jesus told him, appeared to him and said, it was not my will for you to be an evangelist. <laughs> it wasn't my will for you to go into field ministry as an evangelist. He, he was so shocked. Meanwhile, he was winning souls. Meanwhile, people are getting blessed. You see how the, uh, uh, the irony behind all of these things. Meanwhile, things were happening. But just that you are seeing some success doesn't mean you have God's approval. <laughs> because if we're to be in God's ultimate will, the result might have been greater. 
than what you see. And the Lord told him, I called you to be a prophet. When I said it wasn't my will for you to be a pastor, you should have inquired from me. Instead of just assuming to just, he said in those days, either were a pastor or an evangelist. So it was a normal trend. So when you begin ministry, it's one of it, one of the, be a pastor or evangelist. Because of the normal trend, you can easily follow it and still miss God. But God had called him a prophet. There was another time Ken Hagen said he was having this pastor's conference. And he announced to them that he is a teacher prophet. <laughs> he announced to them publicly, so he got, he's a teacher prophet. After some time, he had an accident. Hagen had an accident and he was admitted at the hospital. He said on the hospital bed, he heard Jesus' footsteps. Jesus walked to him and said, I came to tell you why you had an accident. But I'm not going to heal you 100%. I will heal you 99%. So that whenever you feel the 1%, you always, always rem- remember to be in my will. <laughs> so he, he said you had an accident because you left my will Hagen was so shocked your will again so where did I miss it he said at, Jesus said at the pastor's conference you announced that you were a teacher prophet I didn't call you as a teacher prophet I called you as a prophet teacher so he said when you, when you announced it in the realm of the spirit it began to take place can you imagine? So, some of these things we joke with, it's, it's not, it's, it's, they are serious mat- mat- things. Oh. Don't put a title on you, you are not. Don't put something on you, you are not. Because you, you, you don't know what. <laughs> you can easily miss it. Because that's what you have acknowledged. Maybe that's not what God has for you. That ended Hagen on the hospital, hospital bed. Amazing. For you to be a minister relevant on earth and in heaven. <laughs> the heaven is smiling at what you are doing. You must just follow what he has for you. Close your eyes to the world and follow to the church world and just follow what he has for you. Jesus told Ken Hagen, there, there are people I have called and they are in the ministry and they do ministry their entire life without entering the first phase of their ministry. They do ministry their entire life without entering the first phase of their ministry. Now, I met a man of God, a prophet. He's been in ministry. He's been pastoring for 27 years. He said he had an encounter with Jesus. And the Lord appeared to him that he's not, entered yet, he's not yet entered the first, first phase of his ministry. Because he never called him to be, to, to be pastoring. So he was telling me, and he has built a church. Now he doesn't know what to do. <laughs> I said, if Jesus spoke to you, follow him. <laughs> follow him. <laughs> follow him. Benihin was pastoring a 7,000 member church. Later on, he realized that that was not God's will for him. He was to be a healing evangelist and go from place to place and win souls and heal people. So he gave up the church. How can I have 7,000 members? When it comes to church growth, you qualify. <laughs> There are people who are typical pastors. When they are pastoring, the grace is there. But the problem with ministry, especially in Ghana, is that there are many people who are prophets who are pastoring. Of course, you can be a prophet, but if you also have the grace to pastor or you are in that ministry gift, it's fine. But there are many prophets 
pastoring and they are frustrated. They don't even know what to do with the members. They can't even sit down with the members and feed the flock. They feel they are wasting their time. It's not there. It's a kind of struggle. Are you in your place? 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 Hallelujah. Jesus will say unto them, I never allowed you. That should not be your testimony. Don't just imitate people and seek for places of prominence because that is what is acceptable. Follow his leading for your life. Now, when it comes to, I, I, I gave the point on staying in the place of your, of your anointing. I spoke of the, the blueprint. God has a blueprint for your life. The second thing is, you need to see the body of Christ, what the body is. You need a revelation of the body of Christ. I say that without having a revelation of what the body of Christ is, you have problems in ministry. You have problems in ministry. Everyone God is going to use to be relevant, you have to see the body what the body is all right thousand five can you come i always use you for illustration on the body of christ i want to illustrate the body of christ you know why i called him thousand five <laughs> all right please, please stand here <laughs> all right now for for you to be in ministry and in the place of your anointing you have to understand the dynamism of that the dynamics of the body of christ the mystery of Christ is the greatest, greatest revelation in, in the New Testament. And you have to understand. And that's what God made Paul reveal to us. Once you have a revelation on the body of Christ, you'll be content with where you are in the body. And being in your place. You'll be satisfied. Now, Ephesians 5.30 says, We are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Ephesians 5.30 1 Corinthians 12.27 now ye are the body of Christ and the members in particular. Now, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 says, For as the body is one, and the members of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. So look at this fine body here. Let's take this as the body of Christ. The day you got born again, something happened. Christ came into your heart. But something also happened. You were organically transferred to become a living member of the body of Christ. Like an, like an organic transplant. The ancient fathers call it organic salvation. That means you were brought into the body to become a living member. So now we are the members. You may be, you may be the ear or the eyes or the nose or the mouth or the chin or the tongue or the hands or the finger or the feet or the knee or the thigh. Not only the visible members... But it says we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. So the joint, the, the, the joint, the bands, all of these, the liver, the kidneys, all of these, we are. It's such a mystery. Praise God. Now, this is the church. This is the body. All right. Why are you in the body? If you are the eye, your function is to see. True or false? If you are the ear, your function is to hear. If you are the nose, your function is to smell. If you are the mouth, your function is to speak and to eat. If you are the feet, your function is to walk. If you are the hand, your function is to hold things and all that. 
by you being brought to the body, you are brought into a place of function. Because every member in the church must, must, must be in service. Alright. Now, if the eye sees, it doesn't see for the eye, it sees for the body. If the ear hears, it doesn't hear for the ear, it hears for the body. If the feet walks, it doesn't walk for the feet, it walks for the body. Whatever function you are in, operating in, in the house of God, is not just for you, it's not for you at all, it's for the entire body of Christ. As a matter of fact, it's for Christ, who is the head of the church. What you are doing is for the entire body. Praise God. So these represent different ministries. Different ministries. So the eye is the seen ministry, the prophetic. Maybe the head, the brain, the thinking ministry. Some have a thinking ministry. They are, they are great authors. They write. The mouth, the speaking ministry. Teaching, preaching and all that. The feet, traveling ministry. So different kinds of ministries. We can't enumerate them. All in the body. All in the body. And you have, as long as you are a believer, you are in the body. You are a member in the, This is the many-membered body of Christ in the body. But there's a problem with the body of Christ today. What is the problem we have in the body of Christ? Those who are the years are trying to see. Now, the year is trying to see. And those who are the nose, the nose, those who are the nose, they are trying to speak. That's the problem in the body. Teachers are trying to prophesy. Pastors are trying to see by all means. <laughs> So, everybody is trying to become what he's not. Because people have not seen that the whole thing is a body. You are not meant to do everything. Nobody is meant to do everything. It's a lie. You think you can... I, I went to a certain church. There were many people there. The person... The pastor gave the opening prayer. The pastor led the worship. The pastor preached the word. The pastor gave the announcement. From the beginning to the end... He himself. Then he, uh, he announced that for him he has all the five gifts of the spirit. Uh, 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 five gifts, uh, five ministry gifts he has all of it. <laughs> He's everything in one. I said, wow. <laughs> he is one man thousand. <laughs> all inclusive. It's a lie. The, you see, there are people in the church who will make up for the lack. But he's not seeing it. Look, the function of the year is to hear. That's all. And you must be content with the ministry of hearing. Allow those who are the nose to smell. And allow those who are the mouth to speak. Allow those who are the eyes to see. And be in your place. That's how we can be effective. But the problem is that instead of functioning as we are, we are functioning as we prefer to be. So many people are looking for places of prominence to occupy just for acceptance from the church world. Just for acceptance from the church world. That's what people are doing. So there's a kind of mess. People are leaving their place. They don't know how delicate this whole thing is. Leaving their place. If God has not sent you, why are you going? Why do you want to start a church? Why? <laughs> why do you want to be on a billboard ministry is not billboard at all 
Ministry is not radio. Ministry is not television. That is no ministry. These things never satisfy the heart. Those who are truly led by God, these things are happening. They don't even feel it. It's happening. But they are, because their focus is on the real thing. The major on the major and the minor on the minor. Ah. <laughs> it's amazing. We must learn to be in our place. Learn to be in your place. I was telling some people yesterday that, yesterday that uh, I was in Cape Coast in the 90s. The, the prophetic broke loose in Cape Coast. Everyone was prophesying. Everyone wanted to be a prophet. Everybody. In just a short time, everyone was a prophet. <laughs> I know, of course, sometimes there's a grace that can come. Uh-huh. You can be prophetic without being a prophet. But by the grace of God, I, I knew that I was not one. <laughs> Although it is it's very unpopular in those days to say you are not one. Huh. But I was not one. Yeah. A lot of the people God have given me around me is all prophet. This is one. Another one is the they are wild prophet. Prophet them is a prophet. Wild prophet. They all can see, but I don't see. <laughs> so I only see in private. On the basis of my relationship with the Lord, I for public daddy. Once a while. But these people, they just, within a few short time, they just, they've seen so many things. You cannot force yourself. I can't be that. So normally I'll hand over the microphone to them. I've done my part. Continue your part. It's a body. I know my place. You should know your place. (laughs) It's a body. Success is to know what you cannot do. They asked John the Baptist, who are thou? Are thou the Christ? Are thou Elias or are thou that prophet? So I'm not. Then who are you? Tell us. So I am the voice of him that cried. So you should know what you are not. So you'll be content to be in your place. Because that is where the anointing flows. Now, in Ephesians 4 verse 7, the Bible says, Ephesians 4 7, but unto every one of us is giving grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. According to the measure of the gift of Christ. All right. In context, Apostle Paul was talk, talking about different gifts in the body. The word measure in the Greek has to do with the size of a body part. He says that, look, our graces are even different. Let me show how God, how grace flows through all of us so you appreciate your place. There are different sizes in the different members of the body. You know, the size of the ear is different from the size of the leg. The size of the nose is different from the size of the thigh. Alright. So that means that in ministry, we, even, we have different sizes. It's different sizes in ministry. Yeah. There are some people, instead of having 10,000, God may make them like Gideon and give them 300 overcomers. Because I believe they are different sizes. The body is composed of different sizes. For instance, the ear and the tie, which is bigger. Okay. Now, Paul compared grace to the blood that flows in the body. That's how he compared grace. Now, blood flows in the ear and blood flows in the tie. Okay. 
Now, the amount of blood that flows in a year compared to the amount of blood that flows in a tie, which is greater? More blood flows in a tie than a year. True or false? But let me ask you a question. Does that mean the tie is more important than a year? No. But the tie has more blood. Yet the year is little. The blood that flows through is not much. Yet, if the body was without hearing, how would the body be? It affects the whole body. There are some people, they are the tie. God has given them too much grace. Because they are the tie in the body. You look at them and you go like, oh, why not me? I'm lacking. Now, they are the tie. It's not, it's, it isn't because they are more significant than you. It's because of where they are positioned in the body. Hallelujah. They will need more grace because the tie needs more blood where it is. But you are the year. You don't see yourself having much grace. You are a person somewhere. You compare yourself with Bishop Oedipo and look at, look at what this man has done. You want to do the same thing. You may die. He has too much grace, too much blood flowing in the tie. But you may be the year. You may be little. But that is where God has placed you in the body. You function as the year. And just be faithful in his service. And just enhance that kind of ministry. And God will reward you on that day. And on that day we will see all the pieces we put together. And we will know that God was always wise. And God is wise. It is not because he loved you less. It's because that is the mystery of the body. Some are meant to be the year. Others are meant to be the tie. We cannot all be the tie. We cannot all have the same blood flowing through us. We cannot all have the same measure of grace flowing through us. The grace is according to the positioning of the member of the body. So you don't have to despise yourself where you are. Because you are an usher, you are grieved. Because your ministry is to evangelize in uh, Kwashiman Street, little by little, you are grieved. You want to be at the limelight. That is what I say. You have to see the operations of the body. And you will always be content for what God is doing. The thing is, and you never envy another brother. The year will never envy the tie because you are doing your part, I'm doing my part, and it's all one body, it's all one work for his name's sake and for his glory, not even about us. Hallelujah! And in First Corinthians 12, it's amazing from 19 to 27. Take time and read. He says that Paul says that the head cannot say to the foot, I have no need of thee. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee. He was addressing superiority complex. Now, there are complexities in the body. He was addressing superiority complex. The head cannot say to the foot, I have no need of thee. Because the head is higher than the foot. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee. Because you see, there are some people, they are too gifted. That when they see those who are less gifted, they feel they are, they are not relevant. We call it Elijah complex. Uh, 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 they, they, they think they are the only one. They are so. There are some prophets. They are so gifted that they don't see any prophet in town. And some, they have their churches are so blessed that they don't see any, any other church. Like Elijah, Obadiah just messed him six verses before he prayed at Mount. He prayed to bring out the fire. He said, "I've hidden how many um, 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 prophet? Hundred prophet, fifty by fifty in a cave." I've hidden them. You stood before the altar. You brought down fire. Before, you, before the, the, the fire, you prayed. He said, I, Lord, I, even I, am the only prophet that is left. But you were just told the hundred are hidden. 
we call it Elijah Com- superiority complex he was a man of like passions <laughs> I'm the only one that is left you see so the head cannot say so there are some people they see themselves on top it's not because they are special it's because, because of where they are placed in the body then the same chapter tells us that the ear cannot say because I'm not the eye I'm not of the body he's addressing the inferiority complex the ear wants to be the eyes because the eyes are more visible because I'm not of the eye I'm not of the body inferiority complex no matter what there will be a ministry that is higher than yours no matter what there will be a gift that is shining more than yours without understanding you may compete but that's not her calling how can a body compete with itself how can a body fight against itself but let me show you how the ministries are God says that the Bible says that God has conferred the more abundant honor upon the parts that lacked hmm. if you read the whole chapter because of time there are part, the part, what are the parts that lacks the, the more feeble part the hidden parts of the body the hidden members of the body the Bible says that God has given them more honor even than the visible members the revealing members so there are hidden ministries and there are revealing ministries for instance let me give an example maybe in the, in the body you are, you are the liver and another brother is the eye now if I meet this young man and go like wow you are so handsome look at your eyes your eyes, your eyes are so pretty beautiful wow why is his eyes nice because of his liver because his liver is functioning properly his eyes are nice functioning well because of his liver but nobody will meet you and go like, oh, your liver is... <laughs> I don't have x-ray eyes. <laughs> Nobody says, oh, your, li- your liver is functioning properly. The person is suspicious. <laughs> the reason why the eye is functioning is because of the, of the liver. But no one sees the liver. These are important ministries, but they are not visible ministries. And it's part of the body. When I come to this church and I said, oh, everything is nice. I'm thinking of the pastor. Wow, the pastor has done well. But there are people who put their place in order who are not even acknowledged. What we see is the pastor. The operation of the body is so amazing. Do you know that your eyes can be put out, you still live? But when your liver is put out, will you function? function so God is asking you son will you love to be like the eye or the liver because when you want you are the liver you may not be seen publicly which ministry will you want <laughs> Lord I want to be seen everywhere <laughs> it's amazing you know, Charles Finney was a very powerful revivalist, evangelist. He was so anointed. There was a time in his life, it was said that the radius of his anointing was 200 miles. There was a time in his life, 200 miles from where he was, people sensed he was coming. And people start to stop smoking and they closed their drinking bars. In, 18, in 1858 to 1859, in one year, there was something called the United Prayer Revival. And 600,000 people were converted through his meetings. In those days, 600,000. 
it was said to be the greatest revival since the church began until that time. God used him so mightily. When Finney entered Rome, it was said that in that time, almost all the adult population in Rome were converted to Christ. <laughs> One pastor said, as far as my church is concerned, we are experiencing the millennium already. Finney's ministry changed 1,500 towns and villages. But, but do you know who, is the secret, who was the secret behind? He had a man called Father Nash. If Finney has come to this city, he'll come two months ahead of time and start praying. He was pleading God's promises. He was using the word and pray and pray. When Finney comes, everything was easier. After a while, he felt like he had been in the dark for a long time. Finney had to expose him to the limelight. Because of that, he left that ministry. He left his place because he felt he should be exposed. But he was a liver. It's deadly for the liver to be exposed. Is that not so? Yes. <laughs> it's deadly. D.L. Moody had a heavenly encounter. He was one of the foremost evangelists in those days. Jesus gave him an, an encounter. He was taken to heaven and Jesus showed him his mansion. He was so surprised. He was encouraged. But when he came out of his mansion, he saw a mansion behind his mansion. That was more glorious than his mansion. So he asked the Lord, Lord, who is this mansion for? Jesus says, one of your church members. <laughs> now, now he was shocked. He said, Lord, who is he? So there's a paralyzed woman who has always been praying for your ministry. She's the secret behind the success of your ministry. After the encounter, she, he went to visit the woman. And told her all that Jesus had told her, told him to encourage her. Then Moody said, "Can I now pray, can I now pray for you so you can walk?" The woman said, "Pastor, no, I don't want to be healed. So if I walk and become too busy, I'll lose this vital ministry. <laughs> I want to be this place and pray for the success of the ministry. What what's a rich understanding? What an understanding!" If you understand where you are in the body, oh, how sweet will it be? How will it, you will enjoy any other, every other person? Those who are making it, you'll be so glad for them. Your heart will be free. True freedom is when you have no points to prove. Everybody is seeking to, to prove a point. For a kind of acceptance and approbation, but when you have no point to prove, you are a free man. You are in step with the Lord. Enjoying the Lord. You are delivered from the pressure that comes from the people. So brethren, are you in your place? Where are you in the body? If you are in a line with lights, just do what you have to do. And never have superiority complex. Whoever you are placed in the body according to the grace, do it as Christ has allowed and be faithful we want him to smile on us on that day whilst he said to us well done thou good and faithful servant the bible says that the fire will test every man's work of what sort it is what is important is the sort not the size now the size of course there is growth but if the size is chaff and wood and hay it's useless 
But what is your thought? Hallelujah. Thank you very much. All right. So, in knowing, in being in your place, you have to know the blueprint for your life and never drift from God's will. Secondly, you have to see the body, how the body operates, so you can function with liberty and with joy in your place. Thirdly, you have to stay at your post. Stay at your post. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Stay at your post. Second Timothy 4. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and kingdom. Preach the word. But instant in season. Out of season. Preach the word. Be instant in season. Out of season. What does it mean to be instant in season and out of season? Now, Paul told Timothy, preach the word. But be instant in season. Be instant. Now, the word instant in the Greek is a military word. Ephistemi, which actually means to stay at your post. The word instant in the Greek is a military word. Ephistemi, which means to stay at your post. So Paul was telling Timothy, stay at your post. Now, in the military world, there are many things. There are medical doctors, there are nurses, there are lawyers, there are those in charge of transportation. Too many things, in the, it's a world in itself. Where you are in the military, stay at your post. <laughs> there are different rankings in the military. Which rank you are, stay at that post. If we're a medical doctor, don't go and oversee transportation. If we're a lawyer, don't go and be a nurse. Whichever post you are brought to, stay there. And whichever rank you are, you are in, stay there. That's what instant. Stay at your post. Now, in ministry, you have to learn to stay at your post. Stay at your post. What happens is that once you're in the will of God, stay at your post and be there forever until a new instructions come from God. Never move. What God has told you to do, keep doing it and never leave. And the way of persuasion. Now, he says, be instant. Stay at your post in season and out of season. Now, the Greek will bring this out very beautifully. In season and out of season. Now, now in season is you caris. Or you you caris. Now caris is season. Carious moment. Hmm. But eu, eu, you caris or kairos. You kairos. Actually means favorable season. When a season is very favorable. When a season is convenient. When things are working for you. When the church is growing. When the members are responding to the ministry, when there is financial increase, when there is fever everywhere, that, that's the word in season. It's you, Kairos, wonderful season, good season. So, it's a seasons in ministry. You see, when you are in the season of you, Kairos, where telling you are blessed, prosperity is abounding, the church is increasing. Everything is working. He says that at that time, stay at your post. You know why? When there is success, you can be drifted from in the midst of success. There are some people when they are in hardship, they are faithful. But when prosperity and abundance come, they become. 
It's true. Look, when Noah was in a corrupt world, he was so faithful preaching. But when that world was destroyed and he was, he was in a realm of peace, he drank to stupor. He became intoxicated. There are some people, when things are hard, oh Lord, but when abundance and the money starts flowing, there are those who compromise when the ministry is growing. They can't stay at their post. When the ministry is growing, stay at your post. There are people, when the ministry is growing, they, they want to do everything. But you are not called to do everything. For instance, Billy Graham of Blessed Memory, he knew his calling. I love that man. Do you know that American government at one time gave him 6,000 acres of land to build Billy Graham University? Let me ask you a question. I didn't say 600, 6,000 acres to build Billy Graham University. Do you know how much impact you can make with building the university? The number of souls you can win. The number of minds you can shape. Billy Graham went to consult the Lord and went back and rejected the offer. He said, the Lord said, that was not what he's called him to do. There are people who didn't even pray. That offer is a voice of God. That is what God is doing. <laughs> when it comes, you just kneel down and say, Father, thank you for this provision. <laughs> what? This is what we've been believing for. 6,000 acres. He rejected it. He was in the height of his ministry. He stayed at his post. There are so many distractions in ministry. There are some people when the ministry is growing, they want to branch into universities. Some ministers are called to do so. Is the ministry called to do that? Someone to set up clinics and hospitals. Has God told you to do that? Ministry is not what you want to do. It's what God says you should do. It's not your work. It's his work given to you. Stay at your post. Then he says, in season and out of season, the word is akairos. That means when the times are very hard. <laughs> when things are not working at all. Look, things are not working. What do you do? Because there are trying moments. What do you do? There is no money. Your church members are even leaving you. The leaders you raised are even leaving you. What do you do? <laughs> there is one pastor in Romania. Ministry was so hard, so he left Romania to U.S. to find greener, greener pastures. He ended up being a bus driver in the U.S. Because he was looking for greener pastures. So in, in, in Romania, in the U.S., he entered into a, a certain uh, restaurant. And Mike Bickle entered the restaurant and just went straight to him and said, Say, the Lord says I should tell you that you are not in the place of your anointing. In that same restaurant, Bob Jones also entered. Bob Jones went straight to the man and said, Say, the Lord says you are not in the place of your anointing. Eric Joyner entered that same restaurant and went to him first and said, Say, the Lord says you are not in the place of your anointing. <laughs> you can just imagine, the, how can you leave your flock? You are not in the place of your anointing. So when things are hard, as being in the will of God doesn't mean there will be no challenges. There's a man of God who came to me years ago that God had called him to begin a ministry. So he came to for me to raise him and to father him. So we, we, we went to commission the ministry. For six months, he had only one member. 
what, what is this? Remember when the dad one member, it wasn't even in his heart to be in a church. He, he was just waiting for someone to come and to go. So he was going just to encourage the pastor because when he sees the pastor's face, he, he saw the pastor was discouraged. <laughs> Membership by sympathy. <laughs> After six months, the guy left. So 2011, we had a conference in Kumasi. He used more than three months to announce everywhere. Invited people he knew personally, his friends, everybody, his family members. For three months, used a lot of money. <laughs> when we got there, there were only 15 people. But we were convinced God had called him. Now he had 5,000 members. He had 52 branches now. This is just 10 years. <laughs> Hallelujah. Stay at your post. Because you know this is what God has called me. And you know it. And you know and know and know and know. Stay. Despite the situations. You can easily be distracted. Let me go here. Or let me get this job or leave. Stay at your post. Hallelujah. Praise God. So let's level my last point. So the first one is keeping Jesus as the focus. The second one is being in the place of or staying in the place of your anointing. The last point is the centrality of God's word in your life. God's word must reign, must be central in your life if you are going to be relevant. Relevance. Paul is speak, was speaking to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.15. He Paul told Timothy, meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly unto them for in doing so thy profiting will appear or may appear unto all meditate on these things according to recent statistics according to recent statistics in the church world only 9% of Christians read the Bible 9% many Christians are not reading the Bible many are spending time on their screens Many Christians spend time with WhatsApp and Facebook more than their Bibles. It will surprise you that many pastors don't, don't even read their Bibles. Don't read their Bibles. But you see, we need to read and go further to, further to meditate. Now, without meditation, you don't be relevant. Meditation. Apostle Paul now told Pastor Timothy, who was the pastor of the church in Ephesus, he said, meditate upon these things. Give thyself holy. That means... The word give thyself holy means be constantly in these things as if there's no other thing again to do. That's how the Greek says. Be constantly in these things. Let it be the, the main occupation of your life as if there's no other thing again. Meditation. You need to prior, prioritize meditation more than any other thing. If I wake up at dawn, it's two things, prayer and meditation. Meditation, meditation is your life. Because the psalmist says, Thou desirest truth in my inward part. Now, now, it is one thing to speak the word, and another thing for the word to be in your heart. There are two different things. For instance, the word that gets into you, now there are three dimensions of God's word there is the graphe, the logos, and the rhema. The graphe is the written word of God. Where do you get the graphe? All scripture. 
is given by the and from a child that has known the holy scriptures which is able to make thee wise unto salvation which is in Christ Jesus all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable unto all scripture is given by the inspiration of God all scripture is given by the inspiration the word scripture is graphe graphe is a written word of God rhema is a spoken word of God logos is the complete word of God it's also the living word of God when you read the Bible what the graphy, the written word gets into you but when you meditate meditating is spiritually when you put food in your mouth what do you do you chew yeah spiritual chewing is meditation the written word gets into you but what comes out of you is the is the rhema is the rhema now as a pastor if you're blessing the congregation if the word gets into your mind and comes out it will produce death but if it gets into your heart the spirit and comes out it produces life until the word is processed and cooked it's lifeless meditation helps you the pastor in the congregation that's why it says continue in these things it said that in doing this you shall both save yourself and those who hear you it's the next chapter the next verse the next verse you will save yourself that means you will bless yourself all the blessing that relates to salvation will come unto you and those who hear you but he says that meditate on these things give thyself holy to them your profiting will appear in the greek the greek says in all and to all when you meditate daily your profiting will appear in all and to all that means that you begin to make progress in your life before you realize in meditation you are progressing in your marriage in meditation you are progressing in parenting you are progressing in your business you are progressing in your ministry you are progressing your in love in your work of love your, your advancement and progress will appear in all not only that but to all everyone begins to see it financially you are progressing meditation hallelujah so the word to be relevant the word is very important let me show you something in the old testament that is very graphical in the tabernacle of moses amazing if we're a priest there's something to do when you enter the gate of the tabernacle what you first encounter is the altar of sacrifice where the animal was killed praise god the next thing you encounter was called the liver the liver is like a basin the liver was made of up of water but god told moses to use the mirrors of women to line up the inside of the liver made of bronze and fill it with water so the priest had to wash his feet in the tabernacle they were barefooted the tabernacle had no there was no carpet it was on the back floor ground in the desert so the sun had beat the, the ground and they served with bare feet so every day they had to wash their feet before now god says that if they don't, they don't wash their feet they cannot enter the holy place now there are two kinds of ministries there's the outer court ministry and the holy place ministry at the outer court the levites are working it's full of activity but the holy place is a very higher dimension it's a deeper ministry where you encounter the altar of incense the table of his presence the menorah but in the priestly ministry look at what happened you can be a priest and be at the outer court but god says until their feet was washed they were disqualified to enter into the holy place they were disqualified if they tried they were going to die so what qualified them 
to go to the holy place they can serve with the Lord was washing their feet in Ephesians 5 26 from 25 husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for him that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word alright the New Testament is, is the commentary for the Old Testament so we understand the old with the new now you have the Dewey Rhymes version there's a version called the, the Catholic version the Dewey Rhymes version the Dewey Rhymes version says that that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the liver of water by the word of life the liver now the word washing here is the word for liver now Jesus tells us what the liver is Paul tells us what the liver is in the New Testament the liver is the word of God washing your walk your feet with the word of God the priest until they wash their feet with the word of God they, they were limited to the outer court ministry you know, the outer court ministry everybody can see what you are doing at the outer court but the, when you go inside the holy place it's, 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 a, it's a holy place it's, it's hallowed it takes those who wash their feet to do the ministry of the holy place it says without the word they are not qualified what kind of ministry are you doing is it the Levite type of ministry or the priestly type of ministry? Are you doing the outer court ministry? Where the word doesn't have its central place? Oh, you are washing your feet. Job says, and when I washed my steps with butter, the rock poured me out rivers of oil. That means when I walk in the word, I, the anointing follows me. The anointing flows when you walk in the word. When you wash your feet with the word. The rock pours you out rivers of oil. Praise God. Yeah. So relevance to be useful in, in, in his hands, either in the holy place or in the most holy place. You can't encounter the most holy place without having washed your feet. So ministers, wash your feet daily. Hallelujah. Now the next thing is that the word is so powerful. A lot of people don't have the, need, the required faith to do what God wants them to do. Because the word is not prevailing. How can, how can it be effect, effectual when your faith is not alive? Yeah. Your authority is based on your faith and your faith is based on the word. There's a word. Do you know why the military, the Bible speaks of the whole armor of God. It says put on the whole armor of God. But there's one area that is very vital. The, it's called the belt of truth. In Ephesians 6.14. Now the belt of truth is not like this belt. The belt we wear. The belt that soldiers use in, in those days. It's not like this belt. So when they say belt of truth. Don't think of this belt. It was a very. Le- it, it, it was heavy. It covered the place from the waist to the thigh. That's how long it was. It was a hard leather. That's a belt of truth. It was very strong. The belt of truth kept the breastplate intact. Otherwise, the breastplate would be, the wind would flap it. It put the whole armor in place. But what is the belt of truth? It is called the loin belt of truth. It's, it was for the loins. The loin belt of truth. Now, the loin belt of truth is the written word of God. In, the, in our armor, in the, in the pieces of the armor, the word of God appears twice. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. 
but the belt also is the word of God. But the sword of the spirit is the remar of God. But the belt is the written word of God. The Bible says, and take the sword of the spirit, which is the remar of God. That's a Greek. That is the spoken word. The spoken word is a weapon. But the one for the waist, the belt, should I call it a belt or skirt? The belt <laughs> is the written word. Now, look at where it is. It's protected their sexual organs. <laughs> it's protected their reproductive organs. Because without that belt, you can lose it in the battlefield. And you go home and your wife will be mad with you. <laughs> now, it's amazing. It protected the area of their sexuality. It preserved their ability to reproduce. And how come that loin belt that preserved the place of our reproduction is the word of God? That means your ability to reproduce is directly linked with the word of God. Your reproductive abilities is linked with the word of God. The word of God is that which gives you the ability to reproduce. So to be relevant and to reproduce and to influence and to make impact, it has direct proportion to how you are open to God's word. Taking God's word and you will never be barren. Taking God's word, you never be barren. You keep on reproducing. Hallelujah. That's it. You find a minister, there are some ministers when they stand in the pulpit, they have nothing to say. But the ministers were always with the word. As Bishop said, you. The thing is that when you sit down, there's a difference between feeding and serving. There are people who are always serving, but they themselves, they are not fed. So they are dying. They receive the word for the congregation. But the best way to bless your congregation, you know what Jesus said? Jesus says that. If any man thirsts, let him come after me and drink. As the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living waters. Drinking is personal. You drink in a cup. It's not even much. Drinking is personal. That means you go to the word. Let it be you. See how the word will bless you. Drink it personally. And when you drink personally, out of the belly will not flow rivers. Rivers doesn't exist for yourself. It exists for others. Not even river. It is plural. Rivers. So your goal is that every dawn, just sit down and drink. Forget about the congregation. You just be feeding. Let the word impact your life. Just, you know, align your life with the word. And as you are feeding, automatically, the people are going to receive rivers. Rivers are going to gush out for the people. And lastly, my last scripture. First Timothy. Chapter 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Second Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17. For instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. That the man of God may be perfect, truly finished. Of course, when you are truly finished unto every good works, you are relevant. 
truly finished unto every good works. Now, this is the effect of God's word. When scripture is received, the man of God is perfect. Truly finished unto all good works. Now, what does it mean to be truly finished? The word truly finished is a word that was used in the marine world. Exactido. It was used in the marine world. Now, in the days of Paul, there were two kinds of boats that was used on the, on, on, on the seas and on the rivers. Two kinds of boats. There was the ordinary boat, a very simple boat that uses simple, two simple oars for, move, for movement. Simple wooden boats. So, with that kind of boat, you can only ride on a lake around the lake side of life. You can't take that kind of boat on the high seas. You capsize. You will sink. The storms of life will kill you. Now, what is Paul saying? Paul is giving us an allusion of what ministry is and how far you can go with the word of God. He's saying that how can a man of God be truly finished? In those days, the word exactly do is when you take this same boat you began in life as a simple boat having two just a simple oar you couldn't go far but take the same boat and now equip that boat with a sail a very high sail for the wind with a rudder with motors with um, different kinds of gears and equip it that same boat that couldn't go on the high seas when it is equipped with sails and all of these things you can put it on the high seas now it can withstand every weather condition now it can move with the kind of speed that is needed on that side of life it can withstand all raging storm withstand all raging storm and boisterous winds and make long voyages of life that's the word truly finished what it means is that you began in life with a simple boat you are an usher you are doing little little things god wants to take you far in ministry some of you are praying, God, take me far, take me far. While you are waiting on God, God is waiting on you. Many people are waiting on God, but God is waiting on them. Because, you see, God cannot tempt you with evil. If God takes you, the simple boat, and puts you on the high seas from Spain to Morocco, look, God will not tempt you with evil. The storms of life will kill you. What you are looking for, you cannot handle it. What you have to do is to be equipped with the word. When you were equipped, with all that is necessary when the storms comes you are smiling when persecutions come you have been you have been schooled to face persecution when temptations come you smile it's a god has a school of preparation you can't skip class three and jump to class six when temptations come there'll be a self-destruct mechanism which will trigger with time for your own distraction you can't handle it there are some people they can't handle finances if you can't handle finances, you can't. You don't pay their tithe. Yet they are praying at Akira Mountains that God should use them. No, if you don't, don't know how to manage your finances, God cannot entrust spiritual things to your hands. If therefore you have not been faithful in the mammon of unrighteousness, who will commit unto you the true riches? If you cannot give your offerings well, even your offerings are not proper. Even your offerings, you are robbing God. Even your titan and see, you are robbing God. You are keeping much for yourself. If you are not faithful in giving, God cannot commit unto you the true riches. What are the true riches? Revelation, wisdom, anointing, authority. These things he cannot commit unto you. So God trains us in the word by equipping us. Until you have the machinery, you have all the equipment. And you become relevant in our times. You are not distracted. 
by the attractions of the world. Your faith is set as a flint, glorifying Christ and doing the, that for which He assigned you to do on earth. And on that day, He will smile on you. The kingdom will be advanced, and many will come to the faith and stand on your shoulders and even see higher. Hallelujah. Lift up your voice and just start glorifying God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is our time. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. To give unto every man according as his work shall be. Brethren, the Lord is coming. This is your time. Mama Shibra Kate. This is your time. Mama Shibra State. This is your time. This is your time. Baba Baba Shabra Katarabasanda. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Roba Bashande. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Ah. Ah. Lift up your hands. Now I sense the release in the spirit. Actually, I sense a strange anointing that is for you today. There is a strange anointing I sense already in the spirit. There is a strange anointing, it must be released. There are graces for us today. There are graces if you can believe. God is changing things. God is giving you the blueprint. God is changing and shifting many people here. He's changing and shifting many people. He's putting you in perfect alignment to his will. And their graces are coming to you in your place. He's opening your eyes, understanding. He's setting you at the right place. There is an anointing. Come on. It's moving. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Receive the grace of God. Receive the grace of God. There is a fountain that is opened. There is a flowing rivulet. I see it. It's a fountain. It's a fountain. I see ministries being birthed. 
I see graces. Rotoromone. Rotoromone. There is grace for you, sir. Mama. Yete. Yamama Shimbande. Shimbrande. 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 I see it happen. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey. I see it happen. Hey, 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 it's an ability of God. Take your place. It's an ability of God. Ramama, Simbranda, 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 Simbranda. Oh, take your portion. Oh, take your portion. I see it. Take the ability of God. Receive the ability of God. There is something. Yama, Simbranda. Take your portion. It's grace. It's grace. It's grace. It's grace. Yemama Kambranta. Yebra Sembra. Sembran. Sembran. Hey. It's grace. It's divine ability. Divine ability. It's on you. It's on you. It's on you. Receive the measure. Receive the measure. Receive the measure. I see it happening. <laughs> it's the measure. Receive the measure. Roma. Roma. Rosama Sanda. Rosama Sanda. It's the measure. It's the measure. Oh my God. Your life will never be the same. Yonde, 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 Yonde. Take your place in ministry. Take your place in ministry. There is a spiritual rearrangement in the spirit realm. Emma, Emma, Emma. You shall you shall you shall Yimbranda all the measure of the spirit all the fullness of the spirit all the fullness of the spirit the fullness of the spirit mama the fullness of the spirit. Mara, 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 Mara. Oh, Shamama, Sombronda, Basambra, Nore, Basamba, Yimranda. Oh, 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 oh. Divine equipment, divine energy, divine enablement, <sighs> enablement by the Spirit of God. Ibata, apostolic mantles. 
Yema sambrando, sembrando, sembrando. Hola, más sembrando, camanda, sembrando, 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 hala. Yema sanda, yema sanda. Oh, sweet grace. Oh, sweet grace. Yema, yema. Thank you, Jesus. Lift up your hands and worship Him. Worship Him. Worship. There is something you have received. It's a heavenly tangibility. It's a heavenly substance. It's a substance. You have a gift from the Spirit. Totala Kamanda. Iba. You are in the Sembrando, Sembranda, Sembranda, Sembranda. Just worship him. To him alone be glory. To him alone be glory. Thank you, Jesus. Mama. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> 